You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Good morning, Vancouver. Six o'clock on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet. 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Greg is not here today. Laddie is uh, trapped in this snowstorm, this snow apocalypse, this snow hell. But fear not, dear listeners. Andy Cole, the A Dog, is still here. Good morning, A Dog. Good morning. How is everybody doing? First that was, and foremost, that was a good intro. Thank you. Yeah, he, that was good. Are we all sick here? No. No, but I, you know, I got in like ten minutes. So Andy earlier called, than normal and. Yeah. Greg is like, so I'm not making it in today. I'm like, oh, great. So there's a lot to do right now, and uh, the intro is not on the top. So let's set the stage for what's going on right now. Obviously, if you're in your vehicle right now, uh, you are dealing with a treacherous commute, plain and simple. I don't know how else to put it. I don't believe that it is very safe anywhere on the roads. So if you are joining us, Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 651, we hope we can help you get through what could be a very stressful morning. And two, drive safe, be safe, drive slow, keep your eyes open. Don't close them when you're driving, of course. Uh, it is going to be uh, a kind of patch and touch and go show here. Laddie tried to get in this morning, was unable to because his car couldn't get out of the snow. So we're working a little shorthanded here, but bear with us. We will get through the next three hours and we'll bring a little joy to your life by talking about the local hockey squadron, the Vancouver Canucks. Before we do any of that, a little business to attend to here. Halford and Breath in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we are also coming to you li- live, as I mentioned, from the Kintech studios. Jason, tell the folks more about Kintech. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. I am going to apologize for my voice right now. Mm-hmm. It was busy last night, coughing. My voice decided to cough all night. Yep. And then I wake up and I see 600 feet of snow and I go, this is going to be a grand day. At right. least the kids are home. So we're shorthanded staff-wise. Yeah. You had a night. Uh, you're obviously playing with a bit of a bug, a bit of a knock. I don't want to, I don't use the term hero lightly, but this man to my right. Is a Canadian hero. Wearing uh, a... Yeah. I think that is described as a key lime pie shirt. Yeah, I, I didn't uh, have my eyes open. I was across great on camera, too. <laughs> I didn't have my eyes open when I got, got dressed this morning. So I've got a, uh, it feels like there's a big Seahawks game coming up, and I'm wearing a T-shirt that's neon green. Right, but not that big because the shirt's kind of faded. It's just big enough. It's like a 7-7 seven and seven kind of shirt. Okay, uh, here's what's on the show today as we try and navigate you through what's going to be a pretty wild morning. 6.30, Stephen Wino is going to join us. Good friend of the program, uh, longtime NHL writer for the Associated Press, now the author of a new book about the backup and emergency goalie. So we'll talk to Wino at that, about that at 6.30. We can also ask him about uh, the Washington Capitals and Alex Ovechkin, a team and a player that he's covered for an awfully long time. 7.30, it's the Drancer, Thomas Drance from the Athletic Vancouver and Canucks Talk right here on Sportsnet 650. We will talk to the Drancer about, God bless him, yet another 5-1 loss for the Vancouver Canucks. This time against the St. Louis Blues, but it was also at home. So there's a nice little so- symmetry to it all. So sometimes Mike and I will poke fun at at Drance's writing style. 
um, which I think you would recognize. Like if you were to read an article in The Athletic, you'd be like, this one's a Drancer. First of all, because it'd be about the Canucks and it'd be quite critical. Um, mm. Drancer, um, I would say nine times out of ten, his articles include the phrase, make no mistake. Yes. Like he's like, make no mistake. Make no this mistake. This Canucks team is terrible. He wrote such a scathing article after last night's game that it was a two make no mistaker. There were two. There were, there were two make no mistakes. He just didn't want anyone to make a mistake. Do not make a mistake. When, like in the same sentence, like make no mistake. Make no, no mistake. No. One earlier oh, in the I story he where that. he's like, make no mistake. <laughs> this team isn't very good. He had to like do it again. He's like, and make no mistake. Yeah. This team is not good. I don't want you to people to misunderstand me like, here. Like no one, yeah. no one should make a mistake Mistakes when they read shall not this be article made. that the Canucks are struggling. Uh, so seven thirty, the Drancer is going to join us to look back on whatever that was last night. We've got some audio where, quite honestly, nobody had an answer. Luke Shen didn't have an answer. Bo Horvat didn't have an answer. Bruce Boudreau didn't have an answer for the fifth. Count them fifth five one loss at home. They played fifteen games at home this year. A third of them have been five one losses. That's a remarkable stat. I that is really they broke a record apparently. Yeah, it, and, and we're so early. It's the infancy of the season. It's not even twenty twenty three yet. It will be eventually, I think. Uh, Eight o'clock. Greg Wyshynski is going to join us on the program. We'll whip around the NHL with our good buddy Greg. Look at some of the other stories that don't involve consecutive five one losses at home. Uh, there's eight games in the NHL tonight. Rangers and Penguins is a good one. Tampa Bay and Toronto they renew the playoff rivalry from a year ago. Ottawa and Tampa Bay, Calgary and San Jose. There's five NBA games as well. I mentioned what's on the telly today and tonight because I got a feeling a lot of people are going to be staying indoors today. I got a feeling it's going to be a lot of indoor time for the humanoids. Do you know what? I feel a little bit foolish for um, putting my garbage out last night. Oh, right. You could have done it this morning. Has it disappeared? No. They'll do it. They'll do it. They won't. They'll do it. A thousand percent. Garbagemen. The garbage is not getting picked They're a cultural fabric, and they do not let us down. The guys came yesterday. There was like a foot of snow on there. They did it. Uh, I'm making a a promise. Go really? get him, Garbageman. No, Another bet know. you want to lose? No, I don't know. We'll see. Go get him, Garbageman. Go get him. Okay. Uh, so in reverse, 8 o'clock, Wyshynski, 7.30, Drancer, 6.30, Stephen Wino. That's the guest list. Uh, now we need to do that thing that we do where we tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? Canucks lose! Canucks lose, as you probably guessed, having listened to the intro, the Canucks have lost yet again. Jordan Cairo with his first, first ever NHL hat trick. Uh, the Blues take care of the Canucks 5-1 at Rogers Arena on Monday night in front of what ended up being a very sparse, because a lot of people left, a very disappointed, a very dejected, and at times a very angry crowd with all reason and all right to be. Again, I will mention it just for emphasis sake, 5 5-1 losses at home this year in the 15 games the Canucks have played at Rogers Arena. Yeah, they, they started fine, but they couldn't score, and then it all went to hell. That would be my lead paragraph if I was writing that game. Um, Mikheyev had the only goal for the Canucks. It tied the game at 1. Uh, the Blues quickly came back and made a 2-1, so the fans there didn't even have a chance to really enjoy um, the tie. As, as you do, you know, when you go to a Canucks game, you're just like, man, I, I hope at some point the game is tied. One all, that would be such a treat. 
And then it was 2-1, and then it was 3-1, and then people started going, I bet they're going to lose 5-1 again. And wouldn't you know it? They lost 5-1. And you cannot keep losing like this in front of your paying customers. No. It does not happen in pro sports without serious consequences. This is ridiculous. What is happening right now <laughs> is ridiculous. I don't mean With to this, laugh. I no, don't no, no. This, this, this team, I mean, what are you going to do? You might as well laugh. The, the, the if you, if you get frustrated and throw your hands in the air and you know like it is only sports but you know it's something that means a lot to the people that listen to the show and this team right now is is absolutely dreadful and even worse than that there's no hope for the future the team is capped out they can't they can't even afford listen they are so screwed that they cannot afford to keep this team together right they got to make like, do you there know are going to be departures. I'm trying not to swear here. Okay. It's so dire right now. It is so dire. Please don't swear. For this team. They cannot afford to keep this bad team together. Mm -hmm. They are probably going to lose the captain. They have no prospects coming. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Outside of Jonathan Lekaramaki and Paul Colson. Lekaramaki's off to a terrible start in his draft year. Paul Colson down in the AHL. <coughs> Like, what what is this management group and ownership group thinking? And I will mention ownership because ownership heard the chants last night. And I don't think those chants are going away until this team turns it around a little bit. Yeah. So I, that, that's going to be the target now. That That is going to be the target. And it is going to be um, very interesting to see how that plays out. Because you can chant to fire the coach – you can chant to fire the GM, but when you start chanting, sell the team, that's when, if I was the owner, I'm honestly trying to put myself in the shoes of ownership, and I'm looking at this group right now, and I'm paying them millions of dollars, and I've committed millions of dollars, and they are giving me nothing. Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest, for me, the biggest issue right now and what's exacerbating how bad this team is, is the incessant clunkers in front of the paying customers. You can be a bad NHL team, and you can do it in a lot of different ways. You can be winless on the road. You can be like the Anaheim Ducks with the, just the one regulation win through the first 29 games of the season. But I keep coming back to it, is that there have been some inspired wins away from Rogers Arena, not many of them. But even the way, like, think about what you've been privy to at home this year. You had the comeback win against Montreal, which was a, a game that was lit littered with issues and problems. You had another high-scoring affair against the Ducks, and then you go down the list of the most lopsided scores at home, and there's five different ones. And you set the tone so early in the season in that home opener against Buffalo, where you lost by, might I remind everyone, the same 5-1 score. Like, we, I've covered a lot of different teams both NHL-wide and within Vancouver. And I honestly don't remember a team that almost looks like it's consciously putting up awful performances, specifically at home. Like they're either not ready to play or there's no energy from a fan base that is giving as much as they can give, and the results are here. Now, I will say this. Um, it, in, for the sole purpose of like clarity and fairness, uh, that last night is and a lot of these 5-1 losses – especially recently, the last two, are the direct example of what happens when a not very good team loses its two best players because 
Demko and Pedersen are not there, that team doesn't look like it can compete on a nightly no. basis in the NHL. Right? Well, I, well, you know what I mean? Well, where was the $56, $56 million man, JT Miller? Exactly. Did That's you even a problem, notice him? right? That is a huge problem. How much are the Canucks paying Oliver Ekman Larson right now? How much are they overpaying Ekman? <laughs> no, it's just how much are they paying him? I think he's making $10 million in salary, yeah, yeah. and he was dreadful last night. He doesn't look like he can move. Yeah. The, I, 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 you know, I know... I know people are are getting tired of us coming on the show and and uh, ripping the Canucks so hard and saying like there's no hope. But here's what we're trying to do: we're trying to convince enough people that the only way forward is with an aggressive rebuild, tear it down, no one's untouchable, start again. That's honestly that I'm not I'm not trying to just create buzz or whatever. You know I don't do that. Buzzy. I don't like doing that. I think it's bad sports radio when people, you know, go over the top with that stuff. But this team is so rotten. The core is so rotten that it needs to be shaken up. It needs to be shaken up and thrown out. Mm-hmm. And you start again. No, I, I look, it there's very little evidence right now to count <laughs> To counter your argument, I know another good part of sports talk radio is the debate part of it. But I would, I would look at last night, and my number one takeaway would be: this is what you surrounded two of your three best players with, two of your core players with, right? Because if if your core theoretically, and we've hammered this home to death, and this is not news to anyone, is Pedersen, Hughes, and Demko. Two thirds of them were gone last night, mm-hmm. which happens to a lot of different NHL teams throughout the course of the year. You often hear these teams say. Well, when the going gets tough and it's next man up, we got to rely on our structure and we got to rely on other guys making contributions. Since Pedersen's gone out of the lineup the last two games, he scored two goals. They've been outscored 10 to 2. You can't fall off a cliff in the NHL. It's because they don't have a system, they don't have structure. Winnipeg came in on Saturday night. So, why is Bruce still the coach, honestly? Because I I don't think they know what they're doing with the coaching position right now. If it wasn't Christmas, that's the type of game that gets a coach fired. Although, you know what? How many games have the Canucks played this year that you're like, that's the type of game you play, especially at home where the coach gets fired? Yeah, I'm, I, I don't disagree. You lose 10-2 to 2 in consecutive home games on the aggregate, and you put up just this sort of listless effort where nothing really goes right in any facet. Power play, so last night, power play scoreless, Martin's bad, there's bad reads on defense, you got a pop gun offense that can't get anything going. You're kind of playing out the string in the third period just on running time, as Shorty alluded to it. And then you're left with a coach that, again, talk about broken records, time and time again, does not have answers. Now, A-Dog, let's roll through some of the Bruce Boudreaux audio here from last night. Because the, the exasperation and the flabbergastation, you like that one? Flabbergastation. Was he was he flummoxed again? He was, by, there was, there, was confused by the performance of the team. Well, Bruce, there was a flummoxing. You have enough of these. Maybe this is the team. Yeah, and I think that's what we're all slowly and some of us quickly are coming to the realization here. Do we have the audio ready, Andy? This is Bruce Boudreau talking about the ten bell issues that this team makes, the ten bell mistakes that this team makes on a repeated effort, and it's gone from being. Well, maybe we can keep working on this and getting it better. To maybe this is what we are. Here's the head coach following a five-one loss uh, last night to the St. Louis Blues. I thought the effort was was better tonight for the most part, and um, uh, but I mean the mistakes. Uh, when we make a mistake, it's a ten-bell mistake. It's not uh, uh, the puck bouncing over your stick and then something happening where. 
uh, we're doing stuff that you know if you're there every day you know we practice this stuff every day and and uh, get better at it every day and then in the game it's like uh, our mind goes a little off when we're trying to do it all by ourselves a little bit so the Canucks have 26 home dates remaining I want to put this out here for context 26 home games remaining until the end of the season and already through 15 of them Bruce Boudreaux has been asked, I think on three separate occasions, what it's like and what it feels like to be booed off home ice by your paying customers, right? Because it's there's been five games of 5-1, and I would say in at least three of them, there's been a cacophony of boos. So last night it was boos, B-O-O-S, by the way. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there was plenty of B-O-O-Z-E as well, but there was that. Um, there was the sell the team chance, which was funny. One of my guy that I would know that at the game, he's like, yeah, they were, they were chanting fire Alvin last night. I'm like, I don't think that's what they were chanting, but I think you might want to listen a little closer to the crowd. Uh, there was, you know, pictures floating around social media, fans with bags over their heads, like comical. There were stories going around that security was positioned to keep people from throwing jerseys on the ice. Like people were like, I'm going to go for it. And they're like, no, you're not. It's like, that's the new rushing the stage. Right. Yeah, Canucks games is security going, okay, I'm not going to let you throw your jersey on the ice. You know, remember when I was saying yesterday um, how five or six years ago we were sitting there going like, oh, God, I hope the Canucks don't turn into the Sabres or the Oilers. And then I said, like, I hate to break it to you, but we're there. Mm -hmm. Like, we are there right now. This team – Reminds me of the Leafs team that um, would have these performances at home. And you remember there was like the whole thing with the Leafs team where they they wouldn't salute the fans because they were mad at the fans. Yep. Like it was so ugly. People were throwing jerseys on the ice. Were there waffles on the ice? There was something that like that. Was, it was like Fnuff, Kessel, Lupel, yeah. all those guys. So, and it eventually got so bad that the ownership there said, okay, we got to bring in – Brendan Shanahan and Brendan Shanahan took a year and he looked at the whole operation and I guess Nonos was the GM there. And after yeah. a year, after a year, he said, Okay, everyone's fired. We are starting again. We're starting with a new philosophy. We are going to be bad. Then they brought in Babcock. They traded away Kessel after just extending him. And they completely charted a new direction for the team. Now did they get a little bit lucky when they won the draft lottery and had and, and got Austin Matthews? Yeah, but that was part of the plan. They were intentionally one of the worst teams in the NHL. They got their reward for that, and look at them now. Still haven't won a first-round playoff yeah. game. But, you know, they're a pretty good team. I think most Canucks fans would take what the Leafs fans have been through over the last few years than what the Canucks have. And I just, I just wonder... I wonder what it's going to take if there's anything at all for the Canucks to go down that route. Because I think more and more people are saying that's what's needed. Yeah. Um, and more and more people are going to start chanting at the owner during these games. And that is a very, very uncomfortable situation right. for the owner, for the people that are selling corporate sponsorships, for the people that are selling season tickets, for the people that are running the business of the team. Yeah, and that's the big point right now, right? Is how much confidence 
has been eroded in the ardent supporters of this team. They're still they're still out there. I know they are. I see them on Twitter. I see them in the Dunbar Lumber text message in Masket. There's still people that are so completely defiant to what's been in front of them that this is going to be great and that we're being too negative and this is negative media spin and they don't want to hear it. Those people's support will eventually be eroded. The big, and I think you bring up a really good point with regards to where the Leafs were at in their genesis because it got to a tipping point in their own barn. That was the big difference. I mean, Brian Burke came out and said it with Ron Wilson. When they started chanting, fire Wilson, louder than I could hear and louder than I could think, I knew it was time to move on. And then eventually the fans realized that, oh, wait a minute. We do kind of have a say here because if the situation becomes so untenable, the people in charge are going to be forced to, I guess, acquiesce to what not necessarily the fans want, but to how displeased they are with the current product because of the amount that they're paying to watch the current product. So again, I circle back to the audio. This is Bruce Boudreaux for, I guess I would say, the third or fourth time this year being asked what it's like to be booed off home ice at Rogers Arena. A dog, take it away. We don't, look at, I, I hate being booed. Like, I mean, in life you hate being booed, right? And, and uh, you know they have the right to do it when they don't have uh, what they deem is the success that they'd like to see. And uh, so that, that, that's a hard pill to swallow but I mean um, you know we'd like to we'd love to be 41 and 0 at home and uh, and make it you know uh, tough for teams to come into this building and, and win but right now that's just not happening I mean there's still a lot of home games left and uh, we firmly believe that we'd much rather play at home than on the road no matter what has happened in the last couple of weeks but uh, uh, hopefully We'll dig ourselves out of this home rut, and, and, and if we can continue playing well on the road, then good things should happen. He is the most relentlessly positive guy I think I've ever seen in my life, by the way. I cannot believe that he... Do you, do you buy what he's saying? Yes. Do you buy that he believes it? Um, I, I think he, he actually... We didn't have the quote, but I listened to the whole thing. He actually went on to kind of go a little bit deeper on it, and he said, look, guys... Like, and he kind of gave the, the, the pause where it's like, I know what I'm dealing with here. But he said, if I... Don't give a sense of belief that we can win. Then what am I even doing here? So it's not necessarily that he believes in the group or he believes in the core, but it's almost like a perfunctory part of the job that yeah, you have to believe that, to do that. Yeah, right. I mean, at times he also said that he's never had a losing record as a coach in the NHL, and I said, "Well, you're going to have one." I get like that's a great point to bring up too. This is a guy with 600 career NHL victories, right? So let's go on a limb and say maybe this isn't a Bruce Boudreaux thing. Because every other place that he's gone, he's had a lot of wins and a lot of success in the regular season, right? And part of that is because he's a motivator, super positive guy, makes guys happy and to remind them that they're playing hockey for a living. And guys usually respond, not here, not with this team, not this season. Uh, We got a a bunch of texts into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Here's one. It's not defiance to support your team. Good or bad, fans do support their team, and that's a great fan. Look at the Raiders fans, Browns fans. Thick or thin, they are cheering their on. Buddy, if you don't think that Raiders fans and Browns fans have been upset, do you, do you, do you see, have you ever seen anything ever? Because Browns fans and Raiders fans are some of the most angry, frustrated fans there are Mm -hmm. nobody is suggesting that people stop being canucks fans 
what we are suggesting is for the love of the team mm-hmm. to go out there and make your opinions felt that you want to see change. Imagine thinking that Browns fans don't ever get frustrated. Yeah, that was not that worth- they constantly cheer on their team for better or worse. Yeah, I'm hoping that this text was just written poorly. And somehow that they meant to agree with whatever we're talking about. Because I don't know how you can take Browns. One of the originators of the paper bags over the heads at football games were a constantly unifying uh, group of support for the football team. Like, I, I'm sorry. I don't know. That one got on the air there. But, uh, okay. Uh, one, I want to say this. We already got a text from a hardworking garbage man that's out there right now doing the business this morning. Saying that they're out there doing their collections. Well, I mean. My good- grandfather was a, a garbage man. True story. Uh. Well, good for them if they are, and uh, good luck. And, yeah. and honestly, everyone, everyone who is working in this or has to drive, please stay safe. Uh, we do care about you. And, um, you know, just do your best because that's all that anyone's going to be asking of you today. Uh, lots more to come on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Garbage, judge, garbage guy Josh, by the way. Thanks for writing in. Lots more to come on the program. Uh, Stephen Wino is going to join us in just a little bit here. Author of a new book uh, that we will get into. Odd Man in Hockey's Emergency Goalies and the Wildest One Day Job in Sports. Uh, Steve's also an AP hockey writer that we've known for an awfully long time. So we can talk to him about everything that's going on in and around the NHL. We can talk about Ovi and the Gretzky watch in Washington. He's covered the Caps for a long time. we got a big show ahead. If you're on the road, good luck. Be safe. We will take you through the next two and a half hours. We're here till 9 o'clock on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Six thirty-two on a Tuesday. A dog. What have we found here? <laughs> this is the uh, twelve days of Christmas hip hop. <laughs> is that what it's titled? Yeah. There's a whole there's a whole album of this, so get prepared. If you're watching on the stream, you can see me head nodding right now. <laughs> this is hip hop. They they that's what it says. Twelve days of Christmas hip hop. Listen slow, to that slow jams. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to that underlying beat. Yeah. The non instrumental version has a lot of swearing in it. Alfred and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, I forgot. I was neglect. I was remiss in the opening segment. Did not mention it. We're giving away a pair of tickets to go see the Canucks play yet again. Uh, if you want to win, it's just one pair of tickets today. Okay. What game is it for, Andy, by the way, again? Do we have that uh, information at the ready? Tomorrow night, Kraken, right? Uh, Thursday night. Thursday Thursday night, night, Kraken. Sorry, it's Tuesday today. Uh, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena, Canucks, Kraken. We are giving away a pair of tickets. If you would like to go to the match, text to 650-650. That is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, It's a what we learned, so hashtag it WWL. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Now, this is important. Put a ticket emoji into the text message. That will enter you into the grand prize draw to win a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Kraken. On Thursday night. Okay. Um, I think that's it for laying everything out. Stephen Wino is going to join us in just a sec here on the Halford & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, another friendly reminder that if you are on the roads this morning, uh, one, we'll be here with you until 9 o'clock, and your commute may take that long because it is absolutely treacherous outside. Be careful. Be safe. Clear your cars of all snow and ice before you start to drive. Be very cautious. Take care. Be aware of other motorists. Be aware of pedestrians. 
be safe. We would like everyone to try and get to their desired location. Even if it takes a long time, get there safely. Okay, let's go to the phone lines now. A good friend of the program joins us now, AP hockey writer and the author of the new book, Odd Man In, Hockey's Emergency Goalies and the Wildest One-Day Jobs in Sports, Stephen Wino now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Stephen. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm great. How are you? Yeah, we're good. Long time no talk. It's great to get you back on the program. We figured, you know, Christmas is just right around the corner. It is book season, and what better book to talk about than yours? So, Hockey's Emergency Goalies. What gave you the inspiration to write this thing in the first place? Well, it was, I mean, it was George Alves when he went into the game, even for eight seconds in New Year's Eve 2016. I did a story about this, and, and then all of a sudden, uh, Scott Foster goes in for Chicago. The, the David Ayers game obviously happens, and then a pandemic happens, and I'm sitting around and like thinking maybe this is more than just a story. Maybe this is actually a book. And I knew about kind of all the old school guys who were on the bench, who were in warm-ups and, and had done this before. Uh, Nathan Schoenfeld, uh, Chris Levesque in, in, in Vancouver, who, who almost went into the game. And, and kind of, I'd known kind of the, the, the backstories of all this and was kind of surprised that no one had done this before and just thought it was the dumbest thing in sports. Like one of the, the, the weirdest, most fun, thing in, fun, most fun things in sports, but one of the dumbest things and thought maybe this is worth actually a, a, a full book instead of just being a story. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought up that last little bit there, that this is one of the dumbest things in sports because the David Ayers one was almost comical when he went in, and we actually had our goalie expert, Kevin Woodley from NHL.com and Ingle Magazine. We, we asked him about Ayers' level of play afterwards, and Kev was trying to be nice about it and saying, like, yeah, look, uh, absolutely impossible circumstances, but he said it was almost like, like a bad beer league goalie going into play against some of the best players in the world, and that's what it really is. It's that you're not, you know, oftentimes you're getting guys that are just free and are just available on the evening and just happen to be able to go into the game, and when you see something, I think Ayers and Foster are the first two that really come to mind. It just gives you that sense of just how ludicrous this situation is when it does arise. Yeah, because it's not like if Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady get hurt that there's a Division three or a university sports <laughs> right. quarterback in the stands ready to go in, right? Like, there's, there's no other sport on earth where someone who is not in the league can play in a game in that league. That's the thing that, that, that makes this so absurd. Uh, of, of, and, and, but also, because there's no, not really a better solution for any of this, right, guys? Like, this is, it's, not a, it's an imperfect solution to a problem that the league really, you hope it doesn't happen at all. And, and you, you, as the league, you basically close your eyes and cross your fingers and you hope for the best when it does happen. And you hope it happens as, as, as least often as possible. But it's created some of the, the, the coolest stories so far in someone like David Ayers and, and how great the Hurricanes played in front of him. Even if David Ayers was not obviously obviously a, an NHL goaltender, he's a, a beer league guy. Scott Foster, same sort of thing. Even Tom Hodges last year. like the, it, It's created some cool stories even though this is a completely absurd situation in the first place. I'm curious how you structured the book. Did you Was each chapter a, a new goalie that, that went through this experience, or did you take another route? It, it, it's a little bit of that. I mean, there's obviously chapters on those the, the main guys who went into games. George Alves, the Carolina Hurricanes club manager, who had his, his 7.8 seconds of fame in, in 2016. Uh, David Ayers, Scott Foster, Tom Hodges. But also, a lot of the, the, the kind of things about this, Carter Hutton was, was an, actually an e-bug in, in 2010 with the Flyers, dressed for a game well before he became an NHL goalie for 10 years. There's things, uh, tales about kind of the near misses, 
like Chris Levesque with, with, with Johan Hedberg uh, many in 2003 uh, in Vancouver, uh, with, like some other kind of like little bits of what it was like just to be on the ice for warm-ups or to be in the locker room and what it's like to just kind of basically be in the spotlight after being an e-bug for these guys and, and just trying to almost basically make each chapter a different tale or a different story about this ridiculous part of, of hockey. Were most of the goalies that you, you talked to, did they have the same um, reaction? Like, were they were they all nervous or were some of them really nervous and some of them were, like, ridiculously confident and overly cocky? Like, ha, ha, was, there, was there a variance in that? What fascinates me is, is just how different the e-bugs, and these are guys who are still e-bugs now, a lot of them, how differently they approach the job uh, or, or kind of approach the possibility. Some of them would just go to their day job, not think about it all day, have their gear ready, go to the rink, and then, okay, I mean, if they, hey, if I get called down to the locker room, great. And others who were psyching themselves up all day as if, look, I might go into an NHL game today. And, and, and it's so different not knowing that and knowing that the odds are absurdly remote. That, that, that it really, from 1965 when you needed to dress two goalies until 2018, this never happened once, and now it's happened three times since. But the fact that it's a possibility, these guys all handled it incredibly differently. And, 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 and even among the, the guys of, of Foster and, and Ayers and Tom Hodges handled even being in an NHL game differently after having done it. And just it's, the, the one common thread is they're all goalies. And, and we know goalies are weird. Goalies are weird human beings. If you want to have frozen rubber shot at you at 70, 80, 90 miles an hour, you have something different with, with the way your brain works. But they all are in some way goalies, but really handle this all differently. Um, I got to ask you, and without giving away all the secrets that the book holds, uh, were you able to get a hold of Scott Foster? The For those that don't remember, he was the one that came in in the Chicago game quite memorably and made a bunch of saves. He actually came in after current Canucks backup Colin Delia got hurt. So there's a Vancouver tie to it as well. But the other thing I remember is that Foster left and honestly, like didn't really talk to anybody. He just wanted to go back to kind of being anonymous. I don't want to say reclusive, but he definitely wasn't trying to make bank off this 15 minutes of fame. Did you get a chance to talk to him? I did. I, I, I one of my biggest worries going in was not being able to get a hold of Scott Foster. I, I did get a hold of him and, and he, he called me back and said, Look, I think it's been long enough. I think it was, it was maybe two and a half years since, he, since his game. He said, I think I'm just out of being uh, like out of my rehearsed speech of kind of what I say about this. And we actually, uh, I was in Chicago for, for the NHL Player Media Tour last year, and I actually got a chance. I sat down with him at a brewery near his house, and we, I put the recorder down on the bar and ordered a bunch of beers and <laughs> thought, oh, we'll be there for an hour and chat. Three hours later, we had a few beers. And he told me everything. It was it was incredible things that that beyond that night. Just, he had done the Blackhawks convention and just everything about kind of his entire experience, stories that had never been told before, and just kind of got a chance to kind of almost relive the situation a little bit. And I think for for Scott Foster, it, it almost comforting in the fact that he it's a, it's a piece of his life as like he can kind of put away in, in the closet every once in a while and say, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm an accountant. But also, hey, I played gold in the NHL once, and that's cool. So it's not really necessarily part of his identity, but it's part of something that happened to in his life. And as he, he and his wife said to, to their, their, their children's kindergarten teacher, was, I don't, he didn't play for the Blackhawks. He played once for the Blackhawks, mm. and that's kind of a cool thing. 
We're speaking to Stephen Wino here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Stephen, of course, is the author of Odd Man In, Hockey's Emergency Goalies and the Wildest One-Day Job in Sports. Uh, you also are an AP hockey writer and have been for a long time, and you've covered this Washington Capitals team for an awfully long time. And it's interesting now because that beat, Steve, at least to me, is almost equal about covering the Washington Capitals as a team and now covering this traveling road show that is Ovi and his chase of Gretzky's goal mark. Uh, I know that there was a lot of pomp and circumstance against Detroit last night because it was Gordie Howe's team and Mark Howe was meeting with the media. From your perspective, covering this thing, now what's it like to cover an individual road show like that and also cover a team that still, you know, wants to be competitive and make the playoffs? Well, it's nice practice for when we're going to be doing this for 891, 892, 893, 894, when he's getting close to Wayne Gretzky, because this is just a, a, this is just a little bit of a kind of an appetizer for that, because given Alex Ovechkin's kind of history and, and contract structure going forward, he's going to, he's going to chase Gretzky. And unless, unless somehow he just stops scoring, which it doesn't look like he's going to do, he's going to get there. And it has been interesting the last few days at home, three-game homestand, and Alex Ovechkin's sitting on 800 goals of just the reactions, players on the ice and, and the crowd and kind of really everybody watching of the games are happening and that's their own thing, but also Alex Ovechkin's scoring was a whole other thing as part of it. And, and, and over the next couple of years, as the Capitals probably aren't as good of a team as they've been recently, there's going to be even more and more focus on Ovechkin and what he does and, and kind of the importance of, of chasing Gretzky but as Ted Leontis, the Capitals owner, has said, they need to be good to help him get the record. This cannot be a team that goes into a full-scale rebuild and is just a dog and pony show for Alex Sebastian to score goals. Because if he's not playing with good line mates and, and if there's not good lines playing behind him, teams are going to be able to focus on him and shut him down, and, and, and this is not going to happen. So it, 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 it's an interesting, fascinating kind of uh, future for this team and for Ovechkin knowing that, that they're going to need to try to stay competitive and, and try to win games, and that's what they're doing now. It, it, you see teammates every once in a while try to force Alex Ovechkin the puck in these situations when they probably shouldn't, and I think if it wasn't a milestone situation now, they wouldn't be. And so probably for the next 80 goals or so, it's not going to be a thing, but it, it is weird and fascinating, the psychology of, of players knowing Alex Ovechkin's on the verge of tying Gordie Howe then passing Gordie Howe, but also, this team needs points to, to be able to make the playoffs at this point, too. Steven, how surprised are you that Gretzky's goal total now seems legitimately in target for Alex Ovechkin? Like, six or seven years ago, if you would have been asked, you know, do you think he can do it, what, what would you have said? Even two years ago, I, I didn't think there was a chance at this possibility. And, and, and he, when he signed that contract extension in, in July of 2021, the first thought I had was, we're going to know really early – in the, the, the next season, if he has a real chance of doing it. And he comes out with something like 15 goals in his first 10 games. And it's like, okay, he actually has a chance to do it. No, I, 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 I never, who, whoever thought that was, that was really possible. I mean, it's, it's one of those, those kind of hallowed numbers in sports, one of those in hockey. Obviously, no one's going to catch Wayne Gretzky's points thing, the, the, the craziest status. He's got more assists than anyone else has points. But no, I, even as of recently as, as a year and a half, two years ago, I didn't think it was possible. But Alex Ovechkin doesn't slow down. I mean, it, no one has scored at this rate at this age. Phil Esposito was the only one close uh, in, in his mid-30s to score like this. Alex Ovechkin just keeps doing it. And until he stops doing it, I'm going to bet that he's going to pass Wayne Gretzky. How far down the road have you and your fellow scribes gone with trying to do the math on when, when Ovechkin might hit it? 
we did a lot of math and, and, and placed some, some guesses on when he would pass, tie and pass Gordy Howe. Uh, I'm still alive in that pool, but it would take him a <laughs> long while of not scoring to, to win that one. Um, we, it, it re- we do think before the end of the contract is, is up. He's signed for three more years, uh, and, and, and the contract really was signed in part to make sure he could catch Wayne Gretzky. But it, it, it's hard to tell because you don't know where he's going to be at this, the end of the season. And even though he's Alex Ovechkin and this has been insane, at some point his goal scoring is going to slow down. Right, like if he needs to score something like forty, forty-five this year, because it's going to be something like thirty, thirty-five next year, and then it's going to be something like twenty-five after that, and there's going to be some diminishing returns. I still think it's probably two and a half, three years away. I still think it might it might take him until he's almost forty years old to do it. But as long as he still has the drive to play, and this is what Mark Howe told me last week, as long as Al Sebastian stays healthy and has the drive to play. Yeah, and it doesn't become kind of a sad score every once every 20 games sort of situation. Yeah, he's going to keep playing and, and trying for it. And, and the Capitals organization and the NHL and, and Wayne Gretzky, honestly, want it to happen. Hey, Stephen, has the definitive book on Alex Ovechkin been written yet? And if not, would you be interested in doing that? It's not. I don't think Alex Ovechkin would want me to do that. He, he, did, he did bang on the glass twice yesterday trying to knock the coffee out of my hand. Uh, I don't think that's that's indicative of getting a book deal anytime soon. Right. Fair uh, but no, 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 no one's done it yet. I, Dave Shinen in the Washington Post, though, did uh, I would recommend did a great story on Alex Ovechkin's legacy the the other day uh, that that kind of encapsulates a lot of of Alex's career and sat down with him, including some of the the stuff about 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 Vladimir Putin and and, and Russia and sort of the, the stuff that, that that's not being talked about a lot, but also kind of his legacy in Washington and the goal scoring and the Stanley Cup that. It will be fascinating, and I think it will wind up being in, Rus- in Russian and then translated to English. Just his whole story is fascinating from, from beginning to end, getting to this point, and just where he arrived kind of in hockey history and how he got to become one of the greatest goal scorers of all time uh, is a fascinating tale. Is his relationship with Putin a big deal in, in Washington among Capitals fans? It's really not, and, and I think I think I think hockey, hockey fans here have been really good at compartmentalizing that in 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 a different way. That this is the guy they've been cheering for 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 almost two decades. He's a hockey player, and as Gary Bettman has said, he plays for the Washington Capitals. The Russian players play for their NHL teams, and and, and so there hasn't been a whole lot of that. I, I think there, there, there's in some corners of, of media, in some quarters of, of North America, and certainly in Europe, we've heard this from, from Dominic Kostic and, and some other people, a little bit more vitriol and, and anger toward him based on, on some of his previous support for Vladimir Putin and those sort of things. But I think a, a lot of folks here have been able to kind of compartmentalize that, even while they're in support of kind of what the U.S. government has done to support Ukraine, that, that, that Alex Vetchian is not the one making these decisions in any way. Steven, it was great uh, catching up with you. Uh, you are the hardest working hockey reporter I have ever worked with, and you actually made me feel bad about my own work ethic when I worked with you at, at various things. I remember um, in Russia at the Olympics, you asked me, are you going to Denmark's morning skate? And I said, no, I will not be going to that, but good luck uh, to you. Um, so it was great uh, chatting with you. Good luck with the book. Good luck with the Washington Capitals beat, and I hope you have a very happy holidays. Thank you, guys. Happy holidays. Have a good one. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate it. That's Stephen Wino, AP hockey writer and the author of the new book, Odd Man In, Hockey's Emergency Goalies and the Wildest One-Day Job in Sports. Uh, if you're wondering where you can pick up the book, maybe a last-minute type thing, 
available at most major bookstores. It's also courtesy of the Triumph Publishing House. So go to triumphbooks.com. Look up Odd Man in Hockey's Emergency Goalies. Okay. Uh, I, we have been, we've been on the air for 50 minutes. We got in here. Bruff's playing hurt. He's sick. He's banged up. He's day-to-day. The weather outside is treacherous. It claimed Laddie, not in a not in a <laughs> negative way. It, he's it, still alive. Yeah, he's still very <laughs> much alive. He just couldn't glad. get out of the snow today. So it's me, Mike Alford, A-Dog, Andy Cole, and Jason Bruff, of course. And we just spent 50 minutes talking about the Vancouver Canucks. And I'm going to be dead honest. You get to see how the sausage is made here, a little behind the scenes. None of us, none of us were aware that after the game last night, at around midnight Pacific time, local time here in Vancouver, the Canucks made a fairly noteworthy transaction. They sent Nils Hoaglander to the club's AHL affiliate in Abbotsford. I I will hand up. It was a busy night. I was busy watching the quote-unquote game, which would imply that it was an actual contest. And then I was putting together notes, and then I was like, we better go to bed. Well, it happened overnight, right? Yeah, but, I mean, we were on the air for, I, I just want to say. Like, he was a healthy scratch last night. He didn't play in the game. Now he did not play sent, in the game. Now he's been sent down to Abbotsford. So the, <laughs> so now he will join uh, Vasily Pod Colson, mm-hmm. who at one time, remember. It's been a good year for the Canucks, hasn't yeah. it? It's gone well. Uh, the quote-unquote prospect, prospects, sorry. Um, it's just been a bad environment for them to come up in. If I want to look at this move in a vacuum, I'll, I'll kind of say, good, thank you. That is probably the best course of action because it, it was doing no good, no good for Pod Colson to be at the NHL level around this particular group. And it was starting to get that way with Hoaglander as well. I think they're in salvage mode to a certain degree with both guys. Not saying that their NHL prospects are diminished, but you are seeing a... You're seeing a development trend that's not going in the right direction. Is that fair to say with both oh, guys? Of course it is. Yeah. Of course it I just is. Want, I, like, I, well, I don't want to write them off as players. I'm just saying oh, that no right now. No one's writing them off. No, 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 no. But, but, but when you're saying that this is the move that should be made, I think wholeheartedly just get them away from the losing yeah. and the responsibilities of having to do something on a team that isn't very good. Hoaglander doesn't need to be in the press box. Pod Colson doesn't need to be in the press box. Pete Hughes like, can we come too, please? Can we, can we join you <laughs> yeah. guys in Abbotsford? Anyone else want to get in on this? <laughs> I hear it's nice there. It's only about an hour away. It's fine. But anyway, so that happened overnight at around midnight. Uh, we were just looking at the release right now. The Canucks did send uh, Nils Hoaglander down to AHL Abbotsford. I guess we'll see what comes today uh, when the t- team does get back in action, starts talking to the media, and so on and so forth. Uh, lots more to come on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Drance is going to join us at 7.30 and then Wish at 8. So we'll really get into the hockey talk. I want to go into the Dunbar-Lumber text line. Could we clarify something as well? the next little bit. Uh, what we learned is when you text in with the ticket emoji, you actually got to write a what we learned. Because right. people are doing the thing like, what we learned, Canucks cracking tickets, please. And yeah. ticket emoji. It's got to be a better effort <laughs> you, than that. You got to give us some effort. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to throw out a question to... The listeners, and it's more like a series of questions, and it's just something I was jotting down last night, and it actually came in the wake of my conversation with iMac yesterday on the show, where we kind of had just a fundamental difference about how good this Canucks core is, and I get it. Um, That's why we have sports radio, and that's why there are opinions. Um, So I'm throwing this out to the listeners. And maybe we can discuss this in the 7 o'clock hour. Actually, we can't because we have time. 
Could the Canucks win a cup with Petey and Hughes being their best players? Okay? Mm -hmm. So they are their two best players. Assume the roster is filled out with good players. Like, this is just a theoretical thing. Assume the rest of the roster is filled out with good players. So they've done a good job finding complementary players, Mm -hmm. but none of the players can be better than Petey and Hughes. Now, if the answer is yes to that question, if you think you can put together a roster where Petey and Hughes are your guys and, you know, is it okay? So the so you're saying no is, other superstars, like no superstars of, it, of any caliber. No other players can be better than PD and Hughes. Put it this way: Look at Colorado with McKinnon and McCarr. Mm-hmm. There you two, right? Yeah. That would be yeah. the exact comparison. Okay. Exactly. So if the answer is yes, and some people will say no, but if the answer is a, is yes, is it going to be possible to fill out the roster with enough good players to support PD and Hughes while they're still in their primes? Is that going to be possible, given what the Canucks have right now, given their lack of prospects, given their lack of cap space, given the fact that they've got some bad contracts on the book? And if the answer to either of these questions is, well, probably no, then what should the Canucks do? There it is. The question has been put forth. Answer now. Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. It is the Smalt alternative we will discuss this on the other side Uh, if you're going to be in your car for a while don't text first and foremost but we will be with you until nine o'clock uh we got a big guest list ahead jason mentioned that drancer is going to be at 7 30 wish is going to be at eight there's lots of hockey talk to come there's a lot of stories from in and around the nhl we can get into but this is your home of the canucks sportsnet 650 so answer his question petterson and hughes are the two best players on this team and they are able or are they able to fill out a roster. Would they be able to compete for a Stanley Cup? Weigh in. Dunbar Lumber text line 650-650. Uh, we are up with Hour 2 next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.